the Fuji Cast. Ah, second week of the Fuji Cast. Um, I was going to say on location, but it's not because Kev's in Spain and I'm in the UK. And uh, just give us a weather report again. Como esta? Oh, he's beginning to speak a bit of Spanish. Oh, he's gone. Are you there? Si. Sí. Si. Oh, this is going to be a bit like the Eurovision Song Contest now, where where you know, it's, it, you can't you can't you can't hear from from those on the other end. There's lots of gaps and things. Are you there, mother? <laughs> I am here, father. <laughs> Last week, you um, I something dropped, clanged to the floor. Um, we and you said you had a Spanish ghost. Have you done? Have you looked around for this Spanish ghost? Well, I mean, is the building old enough for a Spanish ghost? Well, actually, the building itself isn't because it's a uh, it's a it's about fifteen years old. But it's on the land. You can only build Cortigos on um, old uh, properties here. So the 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 valley that I'm in is is kind of littered with ancient old uh, houses and we go and walk in the valley sometimes and we find old shoes and books from like 1850 and Spanish, uh, you know, crockery and stuff. Um, when, of course, like kind of more nearer history, recent history, when the Spanish Civil War and all that kind of stuff happened, people just, you know, they were they were forced to leave these areas and, and they went and, and never came back. Um, but you can't build on them. So, I mean, you can only build on those plots of land, I should say, when you buy the land. And the uh, most of the property, Spanish law, I think, says that you can only uh, hand down property through your family. You can't just basically sell it off. So um, you there's there's all kinds of rules and regulations, and rightly so. So, um, yeah, so the, the plot of land I'm on is very, very old, very old. So hang on, you can only hand down property through your family, that that means you're on for a nice little bit of a Spanish gaff there, Kev. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 not quite, okay. not quite. There's, it uh, it's only kind of for the derelict buildings uh, okay. and all that kind of stuff. So, because uh, you've yeah, you've often said to me that the, you think that this would be a massive place to have some sort of um, fo- photo getaway. Ah, oh, it'd be amazing, and and I'm saving up fifty pence a week to try and buy it off Brian, um, <laughs> and I think you know I'll get there. Fifty p a week—that's enough, isn't it? Fifty pence a week mm, might take you a little while. Um, but by the way, if you wonder what the devil's going on and why Kev sounds like he's in a bathroom, he's in the living room um, in Spain. You go away for a whole month in in August. It's, um, you know that's that's something you've done now for quite a while, and to, to be applauded, a wedding photographer that takes the busiest time of the year off. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but we thought we didn't we didn't want the show to lapse we we didn't want to take three three weeks off while while Kev was on his four week holiday uh, so um, we thought we'd record some episodes with Kev in Spain um, myself uh, back in Blighty um, in in the studio so that we didn't miss we didn't we we did this for you we did this for you. Um, so that you don't miss the um, the podcast while while Kev's away. So that that was our idea, wasn't it, Kev? So it was indeed, yes. Because actually, uh, the Facebook group and the Brighton meetup and the comments we get and the feedback and everything has been inc- the, the the listeners that the the stats we're getting are are huge. The listener numbers are huge. Well. I think they're huge. And, uh, you know, so absolutely, we must uh, thank you all for sure. And we don't, uh, I don't want to miss it. Anyway, I enjoy doing this. Mm. 
So um, yeah, I, it's important for us to, to you know to keep it going. Well, the bright, the bri- now, it's funny you should mention the Brighton getaway uh, for the tenth of September. It's a Tuesday, the tenth of September. Um, I, I got a couple of DMs saying, "Oh, why have you done it on a Tuesday?" That's because actually, well, I'm sure they didn't speak quite like that, but it's um, <laughs> actually because um, most of us shoot, are shooting weddings and stuff at the weekends, um, yeah. so it had to be a week weekday. So apologies for those that uh, couldn't get time off work who don't who aren't photographers full-time maybe and would like to have been there um but if it's successful we'll probably do another one and then you know let's see if we can do it at a on a weekend it might be a winter a winter a winter winter getaway somewhere i don't know into the valley yeah. into the valleys with kev he can give us a a tour of of the valleys in in yeah, Wales. Not Tidville, no, not Merthyr Tidville, no um so <laughs> for obvious reasons we don't want to jump uh, bump into her again um, so, so, so uh, uh, moving on. So, yeah. So the Brighton getaway is, lo- is looking, looking. Brighton meetups looking really, really good. Um, and we we shifted. Remind me of the times and stuff. We for, shi- well, for- we shifted the time, didn't we? So it's eleven a.m. now that it starts, and um, we currently, or I, I'm currently with a bit of help in negotiations. Um, with um, with a with a fish and chip place to do the actual Ooh. podcast from, so we're going to do the, the uh, an as live podcast recording at midday. Um, so the audience that we have there, albeit a nice modest small one, which would be great. Just we're all going to be around the microphone, and I just thought it'd be a really nice, uh, a, a really cool episode, something very different. We're trying to do some different episodes. So it's 11 a.m. on Tuesday, 10th of September, and yep. we're meeting at the entrance to the pier. Entrance to the pier. Oh, yeah, that's very important. Entrance to the pier. Look for people with Fujifilm cameras, and you can't go far wrong. But you don't have to be a Fujifilm photographer to come along. Oh, no, that's true. Look for people with cameras. Edit. Uh, look for people with <laughs> cameras. Don't edit that bit. Uh, and you can't go far wrong. There we go. And also people with one-pound coins in their hands, because I think you need a one-pound coin to get onto the pier. Oh, is that right? Oh, okay. So. Uh, yeah. You're doing, right. you're doing Western Supermare. I, I, I thought, I thought, um, I thought it was free on the Brighton Pier now. Or bring a pound just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll so we'll do the podcast. We'll do a walk. We'll have a chat. We'll it'll just be a hangout, and uh, we'll have some drinks. And uh, I think Neil and I stay over the night, uh, not together. Um, well, maybe in the same hotel. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah. So we'll 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 kind of uh, we'll have an e- make an evening of it as well for those that are hanging around. Yeah. So we thought start with fish and chips. Uh, do a walk, have some beers, and then go for a curry. Everything always with myself and Kev ends with a curry always. So uh, anyway, you're, you're, let's let's um, uh, grab some questions. You've you've got some there. Okay, uh, Albie's just about to walk into the room. Hi, by the way, hi Albie. <laughs> Say hello to Neil. Hello. Hi Albie, how you doing? Good. Have you been in the pool? Yes. Now tell me, is, is Dad ever in the pool, or is he just on a, a lounger, just drinking beer all the time? He's sometimes in the pool. <laughs> is he? Is he a strong swimmer? Oh, you know, he's always in there photographing you underneath with your goggles and things. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> have you <laughs> seen Have you seen any creepy crawlies yet, Albie? Uh, Rosa's catching cris- um, c- crickets. Right. I did catch a spider, but it was tiny. <laughs> oh, right, okay. It only counts if it's the size of your uh, cereal bowl in the morning, Albie, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are you, are you back out to the pool? Uh, no, I'm going to catch crickets with Rosa. Good idea. See, yeah, well, it's just all over my computer. If, if you had a choice in life, you know, you could you know go to the pool, catch crickets with Rosa. I mean, what a life! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch out! Okay, watch out, crickets—they're coming for you. <laughs> They're actually cicadas, not crickets. But anyway, right. 
So um, I have a question of two questions, both from James Souls, and they're both related. So I'll, I'll kind of merge them. And he says, thanks for the podcast, blah, 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 blah. I'm building up to attempting to go full time in, by mid 2020 and uh, at the ripe old age of 37. And the question is about uh, color calibration, PC monitors and sRGB and or Adobe RGB. Uh-huh. And what do you use to calibrate and do you use sRGB or Adobe RGB? Okay, so I use sRGB all of the time. Adobe, anything that's going to be displayed digitally you, you has to be converted to sRGB anyway. If you put an Adobe RGB image on a web browser, it would look horrible. Um, so sRGB, the only time I would ever think about using ARGB is if uh, I was printing for an exhibition or something and they, they insisted on ARGB because it does have a bigger color spectrum. Um, but really, it's it's not anything that goes through my mind. Calibration-wise, I use the um, Color Monkey stuff from uh, X-Rite Photo, and uh, that's very good. It's important. I think it's important to calibrate my screen, my, my studio screen at least. Um, I've got a big BenQ 32-inch SW 4K monitor, and I noticeably see it drift a little bit. So once a month or so, I'll calibrate. Uh, it takes about 20 minutes. And, yeah, I think pretty standard. That's that's kind of – although I, don't, you, you, I think you said to me recently you don't calibrate any longer. Mm, I know. And the people are going to be, oh, what – No. Um, I tell you why, though, Kev, because iMac screens, they're just, they're almost impossible to calibrate. Maybe Uh, maybe maybe somebody, could could somebody write in and give a definitive idea on how to, because even when you speak to the experts, um, they, they, they kind of fluff around it a bit. Uh, iMac screens are incredibly difficult to, to calibrate, I've found. Some in a regular monitor into one, Pardon? into an Apple. Oh, well, I could do, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I did, well, I did, well, I did, I had the BenQ one. But oh, yeah. um, the problem with, I had the massive, mahoosive, um 32-inch um, BenQ monitor. The, well, it's the SW, it's the one you've got, I think. Yeah. But all yeah. it did was slow up uh, video editing immeasurably because... Um, the refresh rate and everything we just couldn't keep up so there was no you couldn't sync at all well, it well, thank, just wasn't thank synced. you too don't they they do the sw which is specifically for photography and then they do the pv range yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I had the wrong thing well i was trying to do have something that would suit um uh, still images and video and, and i think i went down the wrong route really to be honest but uh, yeah, yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. yeah that's the answer um sergio fernandez um, I thought I should roll in a Spanish-sounding one. Hi, Kev. Uh-huh. Hi, Neil. Um, love the podcast. I was just on Kevin's YouTube page looking at videos. There's one titled Family Photography for My Wife. It seems like it's personal pictures with music and some videos for your kids. I adored the video. Would love to know what you used to make it. I'm a beginner photographer. Would love to make this kind of thing for my wife. Made me tear up knowing how fast my own kids are growing. Thanks a lot. Keep up the great work from... Uh, from Sergio. So uh, what did you use, Kev? Well, for that one, I used Premiere Pro. Um, and, uh, you know, Premiere Pro is excellent for that kind of thing. Though you can do very similar things in Lightroom. You have the... In Lightroom? Um, Don't know. Slideshow. Oh, slideshow, slideshow, slideshow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. P- Pixaloo, Smart Slides is another option. I use that for my wedding ones these days. Um, yeah, lots of options. But you, you want to try and get something where you can beat 
uh, match the beat of the music. That's well, the key thing. No, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting you said that Pixelu one because you're the what you now present to clients. I think is really impressive. Um, uh, how how does that work? Do, does it tell you how many images you can put in for a certain length of of tune? I'm 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 thinking yeah, it has to. It, it makes a lot of sense because it previously when I was using Premiere Pro and stuff, I would be I'd select the images first, then I'd go and find a track, music track, and then I'd be squeezing everything in or removing images. So for Pixelu Smart Slides, it, it's really clever. You basically pick the track first, which makes a lot of sense. Then it says, right, if you want to track uh, beat the music match the beats of the music, you have to have 49 images or 123 images or whatever. That makes it a lot easier. You go and pick the images, drop them up to smart slides, and away you go. So really easy to use then? Yeah, very simple. It's Of course, it's subscription-based, so there's a fee involved. Yeah, but- now this has changed of late, hasn't it? Because I saw I had an email only last night. Um, they must have had a few people whinging and moaning about the subscription uh, basis of, of Pixelu now. I, I-, I think smart slides has always been subscription based i think okay but um i think smart albums was fixed fee and it's uh it's now gone to subscription although saying that smart i basically pay it monthly so whether that means it's subscription or whether i'm paying a a one-off fee but based over 12 months i don't know is it expensive Uh, what do you pay for it it's about 11 pound a month it's not too bad then If, if you're running if you're running a business and you're providing because this is quite, it's quite a good marketing thing for you as well. Because I, I would imagine if brides and grooms share the, um, the the films that you make using that Pixelu software, um, it's it's impressive. I, I would imagine that's a marketing tool. You could see that as a marketing cost. It is a marketing cost, and also it saved me so much time because when I used to do them in Premiere Pro, it might take me a day to do one of those, mm. and now I can do it in twenty minutes. So, so, see, I, so yeah, I, I say that I still use um, Premiere Pro, of course, for my photo films. But then I'm I'm mixing in um, the sounds of people talking, the ambient um, sounds from the day, and things like that. So, so at the moment, Pixelu it couldn't do that; it couldn't work with that. And so, no, no, cre- creating an yeah. actual narrative story. Um, yeah, and I, 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 you probably haven't seen the one that uh, that that I made, but um, it was the when I when I made one for for Sam. Um, it had the kids sort of learning to read and all kinds of stuff as well. So there was a there was an extra layer, and um, so that had to be made on Premiere Pro. Yeah, um, yeah, different different kind of thing. But uh, yeah, the more control you need, the more yeah. you, the pro's better. Yeah. Okay, uh, time for one more question. Then we'll uh, then we'll we'll meet some we'll meet some listeners. Yours, Kev. Uh, okay, so I have a question from James Bolton. It says, uh, "I up Neil and it says I up Neil and James." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for a great show, yada yada yada. In Kevin's voice, okay, cool. Uh, this is a question that I'm hoping you esteemed and wise chaps can answer for me. This is what's happening, and it's a tiny bit off-putting. Camera setup: XT3, any lens, manual mode, back button focus, center point focus, square, no IAF, spot matron, Acros plus red, raw plus JPEG. <sighs> Uh, and what's happening is, so I'm all ready to take my photo. The camera isn't moving and I'm all focused with the back button. But as soon as I press the shutter button to take the image, then the image gets about a third of a stop darker. And it's the darker image that I now see in the image preview once the photo has been taken. Mm. I thought it was a spot metering thing, but then the camera is in manual, so it shouldn't matter. But for completeness, uh, for, but for completeness, I ran it using all the different meter settings and it still happened. I then thought it was a button assignment thing, so I made sure that the shutter button was isolated, as in back button focus. I then thought it might be to do with the exposure preview setting. Uh, on or off makes no no um, difference, so I'm at a loss and can't explain this. Uh, can you help? 
James Bolton, up north in Sheffield, Yorkshire. Um, what, do you want to answer that, Neil? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, as you were reading it, I was thinking, it's to Kev, Kev answer this one. I'm just actually responding to Anna McCarthy, um, <laughs> who's about to speak to us for, for one of the listener pieces. So um, could, you okay. answer, could you answer this one, Kev? <laughs> well, there's a couple of things that could be happening here. One is the exposure pick preview effect, I think, is probably... It's called something else these days in the X-T3. I think it's called preview picture. Right. Um, and if that's off, uh, then... That will that will stop you from seeing the preview in the screen. So it could be that. The other thing, sorry, I'm clicking my fingers drastically quick no, at Rosa. No, that's um, all right. Hi, Rosa. She's gone away again, though. Gone, yeah. I thought Rosa was out uh, like catching catching cicadas or something. She was. Uh, yeah, I don't know what she she come and got a box or something. So it could be that preview picked effect is uh, one of the options. So if that's not on, you won't see the preview uh, accurately in the EVF. Uh, the other thing it could well be that when you when you half depress the shutter, what happens is the camera will stop down to show you the exposure, to show you the um, depth of field. So it could be that having a little bit to do with it. Um, it could also be that when you half press, the camera is going at that point will expose for the ISO. So the ISO will um, will not be um, implemented until you half depress the shutter button. So the camera might not be getting an accurate ISO reading at that point. So it seems pretty normal. It's nothing to worry about as far as I can tell. But it's, um, you know, you just, just look at those options. The preview picture effect primarily and then understand that the ISO doesn't get set until or doesn't get read, accurately read and metered until you have to press the shutter. But if you're shooting fully manually and you're setting the ISO as well, then it couldn't be that. So, yeah, I mean, it could well be that the LCD um, or the EVF brightness settings are set, multiple things, really. Um, but I reckon it's one of those those things there. Um, that, that, that is the most amazing bit of help desk you've ever done, Kev. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to scratch my head thinking, oh. yeah, that's, it, that's kind of thing. That does happen. So yeah. um, that, yeah. that's kind of what I think is happening. All right. Um, thank you for your questions. We'll get back to them in a moment. Oh, just a quick one here from Clive Blair. Not so much a question, but just something he said. Been li- just been listening to, to uh, episode 14. And I have to say, Kev, I died laughing after you told your story, the worst wedding experience of the dying guest. I've heard the story mm-hmm. before, but this time, as you were telling it appropriately and out of respect for the deceased, slowed down while relating the sad part, an old lady dropped dead right in front of me, um, sadly. That part of the story I could take. But then you added, and uh, she didn't recover from being dead, but she'd had a nice day. <laughs> it was, Kev, it was straight out of Monty Python. Loved it. So <laughs> so if you haven't heard that, it was on episode 14. Worst, worst moments that have happened to you during, during a wedding. Um, so we um, had um, an idea of um, of meeting. It's like a listener a listener meetup before we even get to Brighton. We gave you an opportunity to uh, to get in touch with us. Let us know when you were free, and uh, in in a phone in in phone in style kind of phone in style. Uh, we wanted to zip around and, and meet some of you and, and thank you for the investment, the time you take in listening to the show. Because as you know, you're the the lifeblood of this podcast. Uh, we're going to start this week by talking to Brad Wakefield. Not Brad in Wakefield, Brad Wakefield. Interestingly, I get loads of inquiries 
for weddings in Wakefield. <laughs> you do. Oh, yeah, I don't. I'm not based there. So but there's a lady I know up there. So I, she's based in Harrogate. So I send them that way. But it's so funny. I mean, I, I'm from Somerset. So it'd be great. I should perhaps call Brad Somerset. <laughs> or something <laughs> we, like we that. just found the, the, the new way to actually get all those SEO people that call you up on, on a Friday afternoon trying to sell you, you know, du- dubious SEO um, URLs. You just, just call your, just have your surname. As as where, well as where you want to be, Brad Somerset. Yeah. From now on, Brad <laughs> Somerset. So, what kind what kind of stuff do you photograph then, Brad? So, I've been uh, I've been a photographer for thirteen years, full time. Right. Um, worked for newspapers. I worked for a press agency, and then I went to London and worked for the Sun for four years. Okay. Um, and and like everyone, like we've heard time time again, everybody ends up shooting a wedding. And, you know, it's something that I've got more and more into. Um, I wanted to move away from newspapers. I've moved back to the southwest. And I'm mainly, I, you know, 90% of my business is weddings. I still do the odd news job, rarely if it's going to make a good picture rather than trying to build my income that way. Yeah. Um, I do a bit of PR. Do you lament the, um, the, 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 the sort of the way that editorial photography has gone in the newspapers? I mean, I know speaking to friends like Paul Rogers, who... Um, who yeah, once, once, exactly, upon a, no, once upon a time, yeah. and he was at the Daily Mail and Times, I think, and he would say, yeah. oh, I'd never shoot a wedding in my life. And then now he is, of course. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? I had this conversation with somebody recently. I, I, I honestly, hand on heart, remember saying I, I did sort of look down on wedding photographers. I did. Because this mm. is just kind of the thing that it was that kind of culture amongst press photographers. Yeah. And it's more than ever... I feel more of a photographer now than I've ever done. I feel like I thought I knew how to take pictures and then I started shooting weddings. And if anything, it's been the most positive thing to happen in my career. I thought I knew how to photograph and then I shot weddings. That's almost that's <laughs> that's almost uh, the title of a book, Brad. It's true. I, I don't know if they, if you speak to anyone else that's come from the newspaper way, but I, I have, yeah. Yeah. And if, if 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 so you go on these jobs and it's amazing the access and the, the the glory of seeing your pictures in the paper but weddings are they're, they're harder mm. the pressure is different because like the, the deadline at a newspaper or photographing the pm or a celebrity that's got two seconds that's the pressure is different but but this is um i'm more of a photographer now than i've ever been yeah and how many weddings do you shoot a year do you think so the most I've done in a year is 60. Okay. Um, now I'm trying six, to six zero, 60. Oh, that's yeah. a Yeah. I did 50 last year and this year 40. But I'm wanting, I want to be doing 40, really. That's what I want to be doing. And in terms of the length of time you're there, is it a full day or do you, do you cut it into bits or is it very Absolutely. bespoke? I mean, like, like everybody, I'm similar to yourself. I'll get there, I get there a couple of hours before the ceremony yeah. Yeah. and I stay for about an hour after the first dance. Okay. Um, everybody seems to offer a similar coverage. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, you can't cover a wedding in any other way, I don't think. Right. I, I've, I've got a random question for you in a second. But, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm bound really to ask who in the, the newspaper world, in terms of uh, imagery, that um, that you're particularly either inspired by or they were important as, as you as you came up through the newspapers? There's a guy called uh, Dan Kitwood yep. who now works at Getty Images. So he worked at a press agency. Just He left Southwest News Service before I went there. His, uh, his photography is just um, it's beautiful. There's a guy called Lewis Wilde who I don't think works in newspapers anymore, but 
he took a very famous picture of Concorde flying over the, the yes. uh, Bristol Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, and more recently, actually, Paul Sanders, I really love his landscape photography. Um, I love the fact there's not people in it. And I, I really like shooting landscapes as well because we're surrounded by people, aren't we, shooting yeah. weddings. And that's, that's great. But it's great to also remove yourself from that now and again on a Monday morning. Doing a sunrise is just brilliant. Paul Sanders is an incredible photographer, isn't he? Um, he's just uh, he's just uh, an inspiration. He's got he's um, yeah, just brilliant. You should. I know he's not a a wedding photographer, but he is a Fuji ambassador. Well, no, I mean, try and get him on the show. Yeah, I mean, the the show is not about wedding. I know sometimes it might feel that it is, but uh, the show is certainly not even about Fuji film. It has has this no. uh, has this title of Fuji cast. But as we're finding out, there's so many people that listen now, Nikon and Canon, and and you're all yeah. very welcome. Um, so right, well, let's go. Let's go for a random question for you. Ah. Mm-hmm. ah, right. Most, uh, this is good for you, actually. Most intimidating situation you photographed? Um, interrupting David Cameron and David Beckham to get a picture. <laughs> they are having a conversation at an awards evening. That's brilliant. And because of who they are, as I'm sure you can appreciate that, yep. they're quite, at the time, this few years ago, very well known. And, and honestly, it was a case that none of the other photographers would go and do it. <laughs> and I said, it's all right, because they are essentially, they're two people. Yeah. And you just approach it in that yeah. respect. Yeah. And it was fine. You know, I've got a nice picture of them together. Really happy. Fine. You know, so um, that's that's probably the... Oh, they didn't the tell you They didn't tell you to go away or anything? It was No, I did that evening get put in a headlock by Tom Hardy. <laughs> oh, you did? Um, right. Yeah, because they wanted, again, they wanted a picture of him holding a newspaper. Yeah. Um, and he didn't want to do it and he put me in a headlock. <laughs> well, that's a claim to fame, isn't it? Tom- yeah, it's funny. It's funny these things that you just take for granted. Tom Hardy sure. put me in and a head- you- headlock. Yeah, I'd have been truly impressed had David Beckham put you in a headlock. That will <laughs> yeah, that tell the kids good. in years to come. Uh, absolute pleasure to talk to you, Brad. No worries. Thank you, Neil. Oh, this is fun. Who's next? We've got Anna McCarthy. Hello, Anna. Hello, Neil. How are you? I'm fine. I'm a little bit um, wired this morning because as anyone who's a, a freelance photographer will know, you have a plan for your day and then it all just goes pear-shaped. Oh, all the time just falls apart, doesn't it? And it's ne- yeah. It never works out the way it's supposed to. So I'm now sort of slightly playing catch-up today but um, and thinking, oh, no, maybe I'm not having Saturday off after all. Is it too rude to ask what's happened? Um, well, nothing major, but it's just that I thought I'm going to get up, I'm going to finish this album that I need to do, um, I'm then going to go and do some shopping and I'm going to put the washing on, then I'm going to come back and I'm going to see the guy who I'm working with to, to do some workshops and schools with photography. So that happened. But then in the meantime, I then got a call from two clients, one wedding who wanted to come and see me today because she wants me to shoot her wedding in three weeks' time and I'm going on holiday for two weeks (laughs) at my peril next week. And, you know, you get the picture. Clients are lovely and we have clients that listen to this show. So let me just say straight away to any clients listening to this show, it's not you. I'm talking about other people. You yeah. you know when you get those clients to say, I'm so busy at the moment. And you think, so am I. Yeah, yeah, no. And they absolutely, I mean, in my, I mean, I'm a social photographer. You know, I photograph weddings and kids and and the people I photograph are ordinary people, largely. Occasionally I have photographed um some sort of famous people or people in business I do a little bit of that but mostly they are ordinary people and they're doing all this in outside of their main job so they absolutely think nothing to ring you uh, oh, no. yeah. or text you at kind of 11 o'clock at yeah. night and you have to make a decision as a photographer as how available you're going to be and of course that 
is very related to how well you're doing. Because if you've got lots of work, you think, bugger it, I'm not going to speak to this person at kind of 10 o'clock at night when their kids are in bed. But on the other hand, you don't like to turn work. You're hardwired not to ever not speak to someone about a job. Yes, it's not a nine to five, is it? Half the battle is is being able to, in five minutes, without wasting too much of your time, to really educate your client when you first have that point of contact with, you know, what it's really, I guess a bit, you're taking a real interest in them at the same time as educating them as to what what they're getting from you. That's what I try to do. I think, you know, I'm getting things wrong all the time. I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years and my kind of main thing that I, I'm, as I'm sitting listening to the podcast, I'm thinking, here I, have, here I am, I've been doing this for this many years, but I still feel like a beginner in so many ways. And obviously with the changing technology and I haven't even gone mirrorless yet, um, which is... So, so what are you shooting? I'm shooting uh, with two DSLR Nikon D70s, which okay. I love and is fine. And I know, and 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 I'm I go right back. I'm quite old, Neil, so I go back to film. I, you know, I started off with a little FM2, a Nikon FM2, um, and you know, was shooting my weddings with film, and then I very quickly went over to the digital. But I've always had that full frame 35 mil mentality it was a painful thing when we had to dip into the dx before we got the full full frame yeah i remember that because i i was in the nikon uh brand right at the start of that digital journey yeah yeah i I did see something on your website which i um i'm a massive fan i'm afraid i would have been a a right quivering jelly if i'd have met michael palin Oh, yes, Michael. What was he like? Tell tell, tell me nice things. I mean, Michael, I've known for a long time. He doesn't like to be called nice. That's his worst thing. As I think someone once said, Gary Lineker, the Queen Mother, and Michael Palin are the nicest uh, (laughs) people in this country. And Michael uh, is very amusing about it because he said, if if one more person tells me I'm nice, Nice. I'm going to scream. But the fact of the matter is, he is really, really, really nice. (laughs) Don't let him hear you say that. Um, and but no, it wasn't my photographic acumen that got me to photograph Michael. I knew him in my previous job, so for my twenties, I I did English at university. So I'm a very uh, archetypal middle class girl. I did English at university. I came out of university, didn't know what the heck I was going to do, and I joined the BBC. Right. I I became an editor and a commissioning editor, and then I. I left that and that's when I started to do the photography um, and it wasn't I am not one of these people who who um, picked up a camera that my dad gave me when I was five and got hooked mine was a very clinical decision that I was going to leave my desk bound job and go out and do something creative I'd been facilitating other people's creativity like Michael's um, through through working with with people like that for 10 years and I thought no now I'm going to I'm going to I want to go and be creative and I don't want to be in front of a computer but that was a bit of a that was a bit of a mistake Neil because uh, actually we spend so much time in front of the computer yeah, you do. Why you podcasts do. are just so lovely because it's a very lonely old world well, it's a, pa- a, a passive thing a podcast I mean you can, you can be doing whatever you like while you're li- while you're listening to it but I mean can I just say you really do um, perhaps it's hard for you and Kevin to understand or maybe it's not because you probably listen to them yourselves but you 
you know, you've you've got each other, so that's that's nice. You see each other every week to do. I presume you're together physically. Oh yeah, well. yeah. When we do the studio ones, I mean, I, I know with the Spanish ones at the moment, he's um, he's drinking beer yeah, <laughs> and he's on a yeah. sun lounger. Stick in your throat, having him sitting in a <laughs> lounger. I know, I know, I know. You know, I think there's an awful lot of myth around being a photographer. And I think there's, and I understand why it is, because it's very saturated. It's very hard to get work. You do need to re, you do need to invent yourself to the market and to other photographers as a positive person. But there's no doubt about it. It has its downsides. And one of them is that it's, you know, if you're not in a partnership with someone, i.e. either emotionally or even uh, and what I really mean is, uh, you know, uh, two photographers working together. It's, you know, there's a lot of graft and it's a lot of stuff on your own and you have to be incredibly... Well, it can be a very lonely business, that's that's for sure. Yeah. And I think these podcasts are fantastic yeah. because they really, you know, without you having to go to SWPP or go to... And I'm hoping to come to Brighton, but you know, without you can really feel that you've got you're in this community. So thank you, it's great. Oh, it's a, a, our pleasure. We really enjoy it. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a random question for you. Are you ready? Yes. I'm gonna randomise this. Here we go. It's ah worst shoot ever. I'm sorry, you've got a stinker. I, I'm I'm just thinking off the top of my head, which is probably my first wedding ever. Right. That I did. I mean, I've got loads of worse shoots, but just to be pithy and to think off the top of my head, only because I put it on the on the Fuji uh, Facebook group the other day, was when I went to my first wedding and I rolled up. I was terribly nervous. I think I was shooting on film. Right. And I hadn't, I'd met the bride, but I hadn't met her, the groom. And the groom was a lot older than the bride. And I said, hello, you must be the bride's dad. <laughs> I think I've done something similar. No, I'm not. No. (laughs) You can imagine, that wasn't a very good start. Anna, thank you very much for your time. Oh, well, it's nice to speak to you. Thank you. Next up, we have Brian from Canada. See, Brian, I still do a little dance because, you know, (laughs) this, this ability to talk to people around the world, I'm, I'm still like a kid, really, in a sweet shop. Um, and you're in what part of Canada are, are, are you in? Brian Cap, Cap, Brian Caporicci sounds very Italian. Oh, that, that's yeah, that's a good Irish last name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I um, we're in. I'm not far from Niagara Falls in Ontario. Oh, that's the, that's the closest milestone I can think of. So, how long have you lived there? I grew up in Niagara Falls, okay. so I've been here my whole life. Yeah, right. I, it, it, it's another one of those. I bet everybody says this to you. It's another one of the tick off the list areas to go to. Victoria Falls, Niagara Falls, and I think I've done as many falls as I need to do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, tell me about your photography. What what your genre is and um, where you are with it? Yeah, for sure. I've been a full time uh, wedding and portrait photographer for thirteen years now. Actually, um, just kind of really focusing in on that. And my my previous employment or my previous job was a student, so I was right out of of uh, right out of university actually Straight in the middle of university yeah, yeah I, I got right into it is filmmaking a part of that as well so movies uh no i did it for a little while uh but that's because i had a employee that was into that side of things and so she handled a lot of that and as soon as uh, she moved on to other things i just said i can't manage that it's a totally different right. art form so it's not in my wheelhouse. So, so what does the studio mainly deal in then? Like mostly weddings and portraits. Mo- is, mostly is, weddings uh, and portraits. Yeah, okay. just and just photography. And the interesting thing is, like over the years.
years, it's it's um, obviously like evolved. But in the last five years or so, I've actually moved a lot into the teaching space to photographers. Okay. And so now I have a company, Sprout Studio, that we have a software and an education platform that teaches photographers about business. And is the is the workshop and business um, business business of business? Is that is that yeah. is that strong? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the software um, company itself is is full time. We've got nine full time staff here, so oh, we're wow. we're super swamped with that. But still, doesn't take away from you know my passion for photography that's for sure now i'm sensing obviously a very good microphone in in, in my ears are thinking ah that sounds a little bit rich do you have a podcast in the company too we do yeah yeah we have uh it's called the business of photography i'm gonna look it up now the business uh, and you have 400 episodes yeah new yeah 400 and 401 (laughs) i think yeah 401 episodes new exactly Uh, so you're still learning. <laughs> always learning. Always. I think that's that's technology. That's photography. That's like human nature, right? Is to just always, always seek new things and always be open to learning. So 400 episodes then. That I mean, when did you start that? Uh, we started that in 2014. Okay. So you weren't. You're not the earliest adopter, but you're roughly sort of halfway through the maybe maybe two thirds way through the flight, aren't you? Really? Yeah, I think like if you look at sort of the adoption curve, uh, definitely wasn't mainstream, but it also wasn't early adoption at that point. Yeah. Um, since then, obviously, they've become a lot more mainstream, and I think it's great because podcasting is such an awesome way to consume education in like more of a passive a passive form. And where do you see podcasting going? Um, I mean, some some people will say, "Oh, there's too much of it," but of course, when when you compare it to something like you. YouTube, there's, you know, it's a, it's a small little stone in the pond, isn't it? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's missing in podcasting that I just cannot believe someone hasn't figured out is a deeper level of engagement um, and sort of involvement in a podcast. Like, wouldn't mean? it be great that while we were talking right now, if I mentioned something, someone whoever's listening to us could pull up their phone and like see what i just said or click Uh on a link that references what i just said or join a community discussing you know this tagged point in the episode like there's no there's no engagement there it's just still what it was 20 years ago which is like you know like it's an mp3 file that you download your phone it's absolute pleasure to talk to you um I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you one of our random questions. A, a not so random, random question. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's spin it. Here we go. And one piece of kit you'd love to own. There we go. Look, I've just given you a checkbook. Do what, yeah, the, it's as big as you the, want it. The Fuji Class W film camera. Would you? Yeah. And why? I'm looking for a, I, I shoot a lot of film, um, and I'm looking for something that's more in the point and shoot realm, but still gives me a good optical quality and a good autofocus speed that I can use just to kind of photograph the kiddos and, and document our, our daily lives with the kids um, on film. So is shooting film something you do for the romance of it? And how, how much are you shooting? Yeah, like I'm, I'm shooting a ton of film right now, but um, okay. I shoot medium format Hasselblad and I oh, shoot, right. I've got a Leica and I've got a Nikon FE, but um, all of it is manual focus. And and I would just love something I can just throw in my pocket and take to the park mm. and not have to worry so much about, you know, fiddling with all the settings and just be able to just, you know, make images. Well, here we go. And there's a check. Take it away. and <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep an eye on the mail. I appreciate that, Neil. Go and buy it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You live, you live in one of the most beautiful parts of the world by the sound of it. Um, yeah, it's it's great here. It can't be difficult selling a good wedding story where you are. Uh, uh, we've got the the vineyards here too, a lot of wineries. Of so there's a big industry there for the wedding space, which yeah. is just beautiful to photograph. In. The trouble is, I'd be just I'd be in the vineyard getting drunk. I think I wouldn't be able yeah. to take any pictures. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where's our photographer? <laughs> <laughs> He's over there, over the hill. You don't need him. <laughs>
You won't see him for dust. That's hey, really- you get some creative shots that way, you know? <laughs> yeah, of the earth, probably, yeah. That's right. Thanks for your time, Brian. Hey, no problem. It's my pleasure. I think we'll stay west this week. We'll, st- we'll stay west uh, for our last couple of calls. Next up, we'll go to, to New Jersey. I always feel I should go New Jersey, but that's not, that's New York, isn't it? Not New Jersey. New, <laughs> New Jersey, you speak so much better than the New Yorkers, don't you? Well, don't make fun of New York either, because I'm originally in oh, New Oh, you're New Yorker. Oh, right. Oh, so what part of New York then? I'm from Brooklyn originally. Okay. Oh, the proper part of New York then. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. And then you moved out to New Jersey. Yep. My husband and I were both from Brooklyn, actually, and we decided we wanted a, a backyard and space, so we got, got ran away from New York. Rivki Locker, you're a portrait photographer going by your website here any weddings nope no weddings um and actually my pro work is kind of on side burner now but i still get to do a lot of a lot of portraiture and family stuff my style is kind of lifestyle photography where i go to people in their homes or their natural environment and i take pictures of kids doing uh, everyday things, kids, families doing everyday things. So whether it's, you know, making dinner or playing inside, outside, um, that's my style. And whether, like I said, I'm, I'm on a little bit of a hiatus for my professional work now because I'm back to my full-time, I have a, a full-time job uh, as an executive at an educational technology company. But, um, you know, it, it um, the the lifestyle photography basically is going to people's homes, take those pictures. So even in my personal life, I have a lot of opportunity to do that, whether it's with my own family, nieces, nephews, etc. Uh, well, here's a very difficult question for you then. Hopefully, are, are you, you're, you're the boss, aren't you, in your company by the sound of it? Are you the, the boss? Yep. Or? It's a one-man operation. It's a one-man operation. So I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I can ask you this question without as anybody up on high looking at you and saying, what? Um, what would you rather do? Would you rather do what you're doing now or would you, would you prefer to be a photographer full-time? Or, or actually, does it work as it is? <laughs> so actually I'm a one man operation in the photography but to clarify in my in my other job it's it's not a one man operation. Oh, right. Okay. So we could upset job. the boss. Sorry. So so I to be perfectly honest, if you had asked me a year or so ago, I would have said, nah, I need my full-time job. I need the stimulation of like working in a large corporate environment. But I did have the opportunity to take a seven-month sabbatical uh, from my full-time corporate job, um, which is when I got an opportunity to focus more on my photography, both from a professional standpoint, but also in terms of personal projects. I did just a ton of street photography, nature walks, a lot of variety. And I have to tell you, after that uh, period, I would hands down drop my corporate job if I didn't need the steady income. Yeah, the steady income's a difficult bit there, isn't it? Now, you mentioned personal projects. I'm I'm really interested in personal projects at the moment. Is, is there one that's ongoing for you at the moment that you can share? Well, I actually um, started one recently. We had a family trip to Disney in Orlando, and I did this Faces of Disney project. I actually posted it on the Facebook group because Mandy's um, the interview with Mandy Burton made me made me think of it. It was similar, where I basically went around the park and I stopped people and I said, you have a cool face or you have a cool hat. (laughs) Can I take your photo? And then I stitched it together into this Faces of Disney collage. So I'm actually hoping to do that in other... places that I frequent. I spend time in Philadelphia. I spend time in New York City. So they're really these just portraits of people in the environment. Um, And it was a lot of fun and a way to interact with people and get some fun shots. And how did you find approaching people? Was it difficult at first or did you or, or did it just come to you really easily? 
exactly that. It was like, I, I, I actually said to Mandy, it was just like she said, the first two or three, I was absolutely terrified. Um, but I just, you know, kind of put myself out there, asked, and people were, I found completely tickled pink. They were delighted that I asked, especially because I approached them and said, hey, you have a cool hat or you have a cool face. Um, and it definitely got easier. I got only one rejection, and I think that one was a language barrier. I think she just yeah. she didn't understand. She thought I was trying to sell her something. Yeah. Otherwise, everyone was delighted. And actually, I was surprised. Even kids. I was most nervous about approaching um, parents to ask if I could photograph their kids because I thought there might be some concerns there. But I got I got almost no no's. Like I said, just one no. It's just being brave, isn't it? And I, and, and I, th I think your approach is right. I think if you go up to somebody and say, you've got a cool face or, look, I love the way you look, then there's, there's the flattery that plays there as well. Absolutely. Um, OK, well, we're going to run a random question by you. Are you ready for this? I am. Randomizer. Here we go. And it's going to be a lens you can't live without. Mm. OK, so can I give you one for the X series and one for the GFX? Go on then. Oh, you've got a GFX. Okay. I, I am blessed. I'm salivating with envy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for the X series, I'm going to have to go with my 35 f1.4. It's the lens that is almost always attached to my uh, X-T30. Okay. And it's actually what I used for my Faces of Disney project. Um, I'm going to say magical, which I know is an overused word with that lens, but it's got this almost medium format, amazing contrast. I, yeah. I just love it. People Great. love it. Do you know, I got rid of my 35, you know, the equivalent of 50 millimeter. I just, for some reason, on all my Fujifilm, um, all my Fujifilm experiences with a 35 millimeter have not been good. I don't know why. And, really? and now I'm beginning to wonder if it's, if it's me because, well, I am wondering if it's me because you're, you're the third or fourth person this week that said, I love this lens. I'm thinking, Is what? it the focal length? Is it the focal I, length? I, Do I don't you know, like no, because when, when I, when I shot Canon, I mean, the 50 mil, um, was one of my one of my favourite go to lenses, hmm. but uh, yeah, hmm, strange. That's it's me, Rivki. It's me. It must be. Must, must be. be. Couldn't possibly be the lens. And on my GFX, I'll have to say the one ten f two lens. I wondered. Um, yeah, I thought yeah. you might say that. All right. Yep. Rivki, great to chat to you. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you in person. Finally, then, before we get back to uh, Kev in Spain, who will have had at least a, a dozen cervezas by the time we, we get back to you, Kev. Um, we've got oh Tim and I know Tim Tim we're familiar with you is is it Tim is it Timothy Bynna or Binna or how do I pronounce your name? Uh, well, it's Tim unless I'm in trouble. But the last <laughs> name is actually Bindner. Bindner. All right. I just say Bender. So so Tim, not Timothy. No, you're not in trouble. So no. Um, Tim, so tell me where whereabouts in the states are you? I live in Southern Indiana, uh, close to Louisville, Kentucky. All right. I, I know nothing about that area. What's it famous for? Uh, Louisville, Kentucky is famous for the Kentucky Derby. What, what's your genre? What do you like photographing, Tim? My personal genre is either nature or um, a little bit of landscape, but mainly nature. And are you lucky enough to be paid for that? Or, or is it is it is it um, an enthusiastic thing that occasionally brings in some money from things that you sell? What what? How does that work for you? Uh, basically, the only money I get from my photography is is senior portraits or family pictures. Okay. Uh, so my uh, nature photography is is basically just for my own personal catalog and, and hobby, if you will, because I also like to hike a lot. So it ah. won't stay in hand. Now, the fact you like to hike. Uh, now I'm. It's beginning to make sense why a mirrorless system would be good for you because you're trying to keep that weight down. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, it makes a world of difference. I came over from Nikon and 
um, you know, just the the weight difference was the main thing that that drew me to um, to Fuji and and you know just like you said the 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 weight and and just the fact that the pictures were much better with what I had. So what do you keep in the bag then, Tim? Take take me through um, take me through a, a Tim Binder um, camera bag that you would take out on a hike. <laughs> well, I. I actually have two two bodies. I have the XT2 and the X100F. Um, I just recently got the X100F, so I usually use that um, on my street photography stuff. But when I'm hiking, I use the XT2, um, and I only own three lenses. I own the kit 18 to 55 lens. Ah, oh, it's a brilliant lens. Uh, yeah, I love that lens. Uh, the 35 f2. Yep. And um, I actually have a Yashica 50 millimeter uh, vintage lens, if you will. So everybody's um, talking about vintage lenses at the moment. I must, I do not, I must get myself a vintage lens. Obviously, Kev talks about it. You've just talked about it. Had a few other well, people mention it. Yeah, the, the thing about it is, you know, it, I ended up getting the lens and the adapter for it uh, under fifty dollars. So I figured, what the heck, you know, it could. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's really clear. I mean, of course, it's it's full manual, uh, which is a lot of times what I shoot anyway. But uh, yeah, it's really clear lens. Um, it's it's one that I. I probably use the most honestly any tips on on what to look for when you're buying a vintage lens i mean you're talking to somebody here tim who's never bought a vintage lens or not knowingly or not one that not one that i've used in action i think i've got some of the yeah i've got a couple behind me but they're there for decorative purposes i would say the best thing to do is a number one research the lens uh, look out on on places like 500 px or Flickr and look at um you know the shots that that come from that uh, but also make sure that you have the proper mount for your camera, for camera yeah. so that the actual lens itself will work. You've got a random question coming up. Let's uh, randomize that randomizer. So, oh, yes. Best photography book you own, perhaps the one you, you most look at. Oh, boy. Um, I would say I don't have a whole lot of them, but um, I have bought one from somebody that you interviewed not too long ago, Sean Tucker. Ah, um, yeah. I have the collection one. Have you got two yet? I haven't gotten two. Actually, I need to order that because I know he's probably going to be shutting that down soon. Yeah, I think he ordered. Um, the, no, there were only a thousand of number one, weren't there? And there were. I think Correct. he did fifteen hundred of number two. Yes, maybe yes. more. I maybe did another run on that. And I'm looking in my. You, you'll love this, Tim. I'm looking up to my right hand corner. Well, not that you can see it, but I can see there's there. I've got the volume two there. It's right in front of me. So I would oh, okay. I would get on that as soon as you possibly can. Okay. <laughs> well, the, the cool thing about the volume one is I actually uh, got it for my fiftieth birthday, and he autographed it for me. So. Oh, fantastic! Well, he's a he's a just one of the most incredible, um, generous people you'll meet, and yes, in terms yes, of his time, and so. yeah, really. Yeah. I, I'm when we, I interviewed him for um for the Breathe Pictures podcast, and by by extension, we used it, of course, on the uh, on the Fuji cast as well. I, I I must admit, I mean, when I went to leave Tim, he said it was almost like he said, "What? Aren't you staying a bit longer?" I <laughs> and I felt like I'd outstayed my welcome as it was. But uh, Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I'm glad we've now we see your emails pop up from time to time, and I'm, I'm glad at last 
uh, we've been able to chat. So pleasure talking yes. to you, Tim. Yes, I much appreciate it myself. Thank you so, so much. And thank you so much to everyone who put themselves forward to have a chat um, with me on the show uh, during this summer special while, while Kev's in Spain and, and I'm in, in Blighty. Um, we, we've given the interviews a rest for a couple of weeks. We thought we'd talk to you and then we're coming back with uh, loads more interviews when the, the, the regular, if you like, uh, podcast show starts up again uh, in September. So let's go back to Spain, go back to Kev, and, and back with the questions. Robin Chun, Kevin, not so long ago, you did a video on your favourite camera bag. Um, it Was was it a, wo- a Woten Craft, a Wooten Craft? Cra- what was that bag? I think it's pronounced Wooten Craft. Wooten Craft, Wooten Craft. Yeah. yeah. And is that your favourite camera bag still? Uh, it's my favorite. Well, it's the one I use for street when I'm not when I'm not doing workshops and stuff. I have to kind of lug so much around. But yeah, I, I still use it. It's uh, it's not what the one I use for weddings. I still use my um, uh, Magnum. Oh, your mag- Magnum call. thingy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so your your question, Kev. It'll be a slightly shorter second part, by the way, uh, boys and girls, because uh, Kev's got to go on a beer run. <laughs> They've run out of beer again. Um, okay, so actually, this don't isn't. Blame uh, it, don't blame uh, it on the children. You need more beer. <laughs> this isn't a uh, question as such. This is uh, just a really lovely story, actually, okay. from Ben Pollard. Yeah. Tony and Kev, uh, thanks for such a great show, wonderful content, etc., etc., etc. Nice friends, blah blah blah. Uh, it interested me in the last episode where you discussed late cancellations, as I recently had a same-sex couple split just four weeks ahead of their marriage. Um, I, I don't know what that was probably four or five weeks ago now we talked about this I was asked to refund but stood by my contract there was no argument but was asked to attend what became a party for the one girl and a small party of close friends and family oh. my idea that this would be a rather depressing drink fest to wash the tears away was completely unfounded I spent a wonderful evening with a bunch of Liverpudlians singing karaoke and the only tears were ones of joy what should have been 70 people turned out to be just about 25 Maybe a little costly exercise, but at least she will now know who's more important in her life. Highlight of the evening was her mother and mother's best friend dancing to Seamus Moore, My Little Honda 50. So I thought that was lovely, lovely little uh, story. And, uh, you know, it's it's great when people can, you know, try and see the... <laughs> yeah, if Gemma was here now, she'd absolutely crack herself up. <laughs> try and see the positives in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had a nice party all the same. Look, yeah. just going back onto that cancellation thing, um, because in the Facebook group, and if you haven't joined it yet, there's a FujiCast Facebook group, and it's really growing nicely now. Some great people in there. We've set some rules of late that it just doesn't become somewhere where you go in and drop a picture and run off again. There's, there's loads of groups that do that kind of thing. But if you if you want to talk about particular images, then then fine. If you've got a problem and say, what's happening here? It's sometimes e- easier to do in there than ever it will be on, on this particular show. But uh, I, I noticed in there somebody uh, was talking talking about uh, cancellations and um, how they tackle it. How do you tackle cancellations then if they're quite close to it, Kev? Do you, do you, would, would you, would you, would you I've never say, had one. Really no, you haven't. But what would you do? Would you would you see through the contract and saying, I'm so sorry, there's only you know two weeks to go, you owe me all the money? Or, or would you take each case by its merit? Yeah, so if, uh, I think we mentioned this, if somebody called up and said, look, you know, we're getting married tomorrow, but there's been a desperate illness in the family and we're postponing it, then of course I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'll lose out massively, but financially, but I, you know, my ethics, my personal ethics are are more powerful, and I would just kind of say, you know, okay, I'm really sorry, and I hope everything gets better. However, if uh, you know, if they call up and say, you know, the the bride has, um, you know, changed their mind, or the groom's changed his mind, or you know, they've just decided they can't afford it, then 
I'd be like, actually, no, sorry, uh, you know, here's my invoice. That's it. Really? Okay. So you, each each one is definitely on its merit. Yeah, but luckily I've never been through that, so I don't know. Hopefully I won't. Uh, Graham Bell, um, this is actually my second question. <gasps> Graham, you slipped through twice. You can slip through as many times as you like with with questions. This is actually my second question. Um, my, it's regarding viewfinders. You've both moved over to mirrorless with Fuji, but just wondering if you've tried cameras without viewfinders and what your experiences were. Since moving away from DSLRs, I've exclusively used cameras without viewfinders, which is actually pretty natural, as this is how people compose images on mobiles. For example, uh, the Ricoh GR, which we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think, is a great camera, no viewfinder. Am I missing out on not having a viewfinder? How does a viewfinder suit your style? Uh, that's from uh, Graham Bell from a thousand images. So, um, well, I, I, you know, I find it very hard shooting without a viewfinder, and mm. even when I'm videoing with the XT3, and this might be because I like another point of contact with the body for stability, and sort of mm. tucking your arms in and bringing that camera into your eye gives, gives mm. you know, gives me a, a, a lot more opportunity to keep that camera steady and w- when you're in a run and gun scenario. But even in mm. video, I, t- I tend to use the eyepiece. Um, uh, I just I find it difficult. More, I don't know why I find it. Maybe I it's because I personally find that I'm distracted by everything going on. It's like a massive rangefinder when you can see the whole world around you. Um, that that I I need that viewfinder to. Uh, to isolate the picture so that I can really sort the wood for the trees and see what I'm trying to to compose. I don't know about you, Kev. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, However, the X70 doesn't have a viewfinder. So, um, you know, I love using that and never use the X, never use a view. It does have a a viewfinder you can attach to the the, the little, what they call it, where you stick a flash. um, Oh, in the hot shoe, in the hot shoe, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> my mind is drifted. Uh, beer, uh, beer. It's, good. it's it's a terrible thing, actually. That little viewfinder they made. Um, so I never use that. I, I yeah. So the X70 doesn't have a viewfinder. Uh, you know, I, I often find myself using the flip screen on you know XT3 and stuff like that. And of course, I do a lot of zone focusing, shooting from the hip, shooting from the chest. So it, it's yeah. I, I it, it, if you prefer to use a viewfinder, I mean, when I'm doing my work, my street photography workshops, I encourage people to act not use the viewfinder because you can see so much more around the camera uh you know when you're in that little window of that little tiny tv window of the viewfinder you 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 can only see what that what's in there you can't anticipate you can't see anything else so i actively encourage people not to use that for certain things and it's you know horses for courses again isn't it it's what you prefer i guess but yeah right you've got one more question then it's cerveza time for you yeah, so I have a nice uh, little question also from uh, Greg from Huddersfield. He says, Hi, Neil and Kevin. Love the show as always. I look forward to every one of them. And the reason why I'm reading this whole bit is because he says something really nice. He says, I know class you both as friends that I haven't met. If that doesn't sound too weird, that's really nice. <laughs> Maybe we'll meet you in Brighton, um, Greg. So uh, anyway, here's my question. What do you quote as the lead time for delivery of wedding photos? I'm sat here frantically editing a as fast as I reasonably can to meet client expectations. And I get messages every day with people asking for updates of when their pictures yeah. will be ready. So I'm just wondering what you tell clients and is there a standard delivery time? Look forward to hearing from you, hopefully, if you read out this question. Wow. You've, you, I think you've got to set expectations because otherwise, and I don't blame them, um, uh, whether it's a wedding client or a portrait client, a commercial client, whatever kind of client, if you don't set expectations, 
um, you're you're giving yourself a real problem. It's much better to, using a horrible corporate expression, manage expectations from the outset than it is to uh, to feel that that stuff and people think, oh, he's dragging his heels now. So I personally, myself, I say it's a month lead on pictures. It's often less for me. Um, but much better to to, uh, to to give a longer lead time and deliver in less, and, the, and that's obvious than the other way around. Um, I would assume yeah. I would assume you apply yourself to that as well, don't you, Kev? Um, six weeks. Sometimes I don't hit that six weeks, you know, but um, I do try. And I do also get those questions a couple of days after the wedding. Can you just send us a couple? And and actually, my reply is usually pretty standard, and it's it's along the lines of you know if I if I start dipping in now, I'm going to be rushing those images, and I I never I'm never going to be um, kind of uh, you know compromising quality. So I will edit them when they are you know when they when I'm right when I'm re- ready to edit them, and I will be doing my 100% best job of them. If you force me, if you rush me, then they won't be as good as if you let me get on with it normally. Um, yeah. So that's that's. Kind of message i give to the clients but yeah four to six weeks i think is absolutely reasonable um but but like i say at the end of the day you know you you have to do your best job and if it takes you eight weeks for whatever reason then it's better to do a really good job in eight weeks than it is to do a not very good job in two weeks i always say actually um uh, when, when somebody starts asking for stuff very quickly uh, knowing that it still has the four-week lead time, I always say, no, 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 let me surprise you um, in, in a kind of cheeky way on email. And, and usually usually that works, and people are like, oh, all right, Neil, okay then. And, yeah. um, and, and that's a nice, friendly way to do it. Um, yeah. X Weddings, Kev, um, we didn't mention it last week. I don't think we mentioned We mentioned the Brighton thing, but we didn't mention X Weddings. So X Weddings, how's it going? Okay, yeah, we've still got tickets um, to sell, obviously. Um, the two-day, uh, the individual workshops, Voito's workshop and your workshop are selling well. So, in fact, I think, Voito, there's only a couple of tickets left. Yeah, so, um, yeah get, uh, last year we had it in June, and... I had a lot of emails come uh, kind of February, March time from people who wanted to buy tickets and they were sold out. So uh, we will only be having 65 people at the keynote day Ooh. and technically have 120 odd in that room. But I'm keeping it as small as possible. We're keeping it as small as possible to cover the costs. It's, it's pretty much a not-for-profit thing, <laughs> sadly. Um, but I, I really want it to be a small and uh you know kind of uh, really nice feeling to it rather than it be you know a whole load of strangers in one room so tickets are selling and uh i would strongly advise you to uh but of course i'm going to say that but strongly advise you to get the tickets sooner rather than later if you are intending on coming good call and uh, don't forget as while we mention it we've got the um the listener meetup in brighton on the 10th of september as well that won't be you won't be learning lots of stuff like you will at the x weddings so um i thought that was worth pointing out but it would be lovely to to see you there 11 o'clock we're meeting outside the pier just stand um, just stand there looking um uh, i don't know just Try, 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 try not to. What's the word I'm looking for here, Kev? Try not to look too. I'm going to give you something to wear or a flag or something. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, stand yeah. there with a ro- with with a chip behind your ear. There we go. Uh, when you go to Brighton, you've got to have a chip in the air for those, those goals. So um, st- be be at the be at the entrance of the pier, eleven o'clock, with a chip behind your ear. There we go. Job done. Um, thank you, Kev. What 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 does your day uh, look like? <laughs> Well, it looks pretty much the same as it has done for the last couple of weeks. Uh, blue skies, hot weather, cool. I know, I meant what are you going to go and do? 
that's it. That's it. Beer. 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 We've got some friends coming over from the UK, which would be nice. Uh, And uh, actually, we are in a couple of days, we are going to go to Granada for a couple of days. Ooh. Sierra Cabrera Mountains. And hit to for a few days. Well, super. Well, in that in that case, because you've been a naughty boy this week, you didn't do your payoff with anybody Spanish. So now you're going to Granada. You have to do a payoff. This is Rosa again. My dad's Instagram is Kevin Mullins Photography. See his films on YouTube at Documentary I. His website is kevinmullinsphotography.co.uk. Or for street workshops, training, and everything Fujifilm, go to f16.click. Right. So that really is the last time you're allowed to use Rosa on the. And this and this summer holiday from from now yeah. has to be some, somebody else. Uh, Thomas, this week for me. My dad's Instagram is Neil James. See his films on YouTube at Neil James Photo. His website is neiljames.com for pictures and one-to-one mentoring. And you can hear his other photography podcast, which is called Breathe Pictures, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, and don't forget his name is spelled N E A L E. Right. Have a nice day, Kev. Drinking cerveza, chasing cicadas. <laughs> he's, he's already, have you already gone? <laughs> nice one. Uh, what do you say? Buenos dias? Oh, no, no, it's not. How do you say goodbye again? Uh, Buenos dias is good morning. Um, but goodbye. Uh, uh, Kev, goodbye. you've learned absolutely nothing. Uh, All you've done is... <laughs> Say that, 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 in the next 10 seconds, Kev, the music's running out. Adios amigos. Adios amigos, indeed, adios amigos. <laughs> <laughs>